Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Before I get started, I would like to give a very special shout out to the reformed members of Back to Ashes. Lisa Radford, Ashley Miles, Interscare Wifey, Tina Mead, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Gwen Haley, Mana Ash, Normie DW, Chrissy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, Patty's Niece, and Samantha Place. The rest of the Back to Ashes membership family can be seen right here on your screen. If you would like to become a member or would like to buy me a coffee, as a thank you, all of that information can be found down below. Also, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, a like, a comment, or subscribe would be appreciated. Thank you so much. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin, entitled True Followed Home Stories. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play, and after that there will be no more ads within this video. A few years ago, I was 21 I think, went back home after a party. It was between midnight and 1am and I had to take the tramway to get back home. When I got in, I didn't feel very safe and I still don't. Because at this hour, there's many people and a lot of them are either drunk or high. So I did put on my earphones and began listening to music, but I felt that something was just odd. You know when you have that feeling when someone is looking at you but you can't see them? That's what I was feeling. So, 20 minutes had gone by and I arrived at my station. There was a few people who stopped there, but I saw a guy looking at me and then started walking towards me. I got scared and tried to walk as fast as I could, but I had one kilometer to make it until home. Plus, there was no one else in the streets except me and the guy. It was a residential area. I tried to calm myself by telling myself that I must be paranoid. So I looked back and I saw that the guy was walking at the same speed as me. So I panicked. And one of my earphones fell and I heard the guy next to me. I freeze. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. And then, the guy asked me for a cigarette. I told him I had none, and he left. It must be silly, but I had scared myself for a simple cigarette. Please guys, I beg you, do not run after anyone to ask them for a cigarette, especially at night. I'm a new mom. My daughter means the world to me. This happened when she was almost one year old. We were in the fruit and veggie section at Fred's. It had been a normal day. Some people waved at her, some smiled, a few others sent kind words her way. My daughter was enjoying interacting with passerbys. But then, out of the corner of my eye, I see a man trying to communicate with my daughter. He made sounds loud enough to get her attention, but quiet enough that I wouldn't hear. I only saw because he was making some weird kissy face at her as he did it. Something about it felt terribly off. Usually people will interact with her while making it very obvious to me. But this guy was making an effort to stay just out of my eyesight while keeping his eye on my daughter. I'd never experienced anything like this before. I was alone and unsure of what to do. So I just left that section of the store and forgot about it. Later on, checking out, I saw him once more. That same man. He was right behind me, in the checkout lane next to mine, staring wide-eyed with a blank expression at my daughter. I froze. I recall the lady checking me out, asking me if someone was making me uncomfortable. But I was so shaken up I couldn't get the words out. She called an escort for me, and an employee walked me to my car as I manically scanned the rows of cars. He loaded up my car as I buckled in my daughter and patiently waited 
until I locked my doors and drove off to go back inside. Perhaps I was overthinking things, but that sense of terror is something I'll never forget. This happened years ago when I was around age 19 or 20 and worked retail part-time at the mall. I was the closing shift that night and left at around 10.30 p.m. to head home. I often took the inside streets versus the freeway, which included a small stretch of back road that was usually pretty empty, especially during that time of night. This particular night, I noticed a car about 10 minutes into my 30-minute drive going the same way as me, but didn't think much of it. As we're approaching the stretch of back road that's usually deserted at that time, the driver behind me starts flashing their high beams and slowing down and speeding up while tailgating me. I remember feeling panic that they might hit my car. Eventually, the car pulls up beside me, and now I can see a middle-aged man who was pointing towards the back of my car and then motioning me to roll my window down. I roll my window down about halfway and he says something about how my tire looks, like it's flattening and I'm going to damage the rim if I don't pull over soon. I tell him I don't know how to change a tire, but I'm not too far from home, so I should be fine. But he's pretty insistent about how it will take only a few minutes and is happy to help. I know something is off because my car seems to be driving fine. I politely say I'm fine, but thanks anyway and roll up the window. He drives next to me for what feels like forever, but it couldn't have been more than another minute or so. At this point, something feels so off that I'm afraid to even physically look in his direction. I focus on the road the best I can, and eventually he slows down and moves behind me again. After a few minutes, we reach a more populated, well-lit part of town, and I see him make a U-turn. I get home and take a look at my tire, which is perfectly fine. I have no idea if he followed me from the mall or what that man's intentions were, but I think it's safe to say they weren't anything good. I even had my dad check out my tires the next morning, and the tire pressure on them was in the normal range. I still think of this night from time to time, and it makes me nauseous to think about how different things might be today if I had decided to pull over that night. So, this isn't super interesting or anything, but I saw a post that reminded me of it. About eight or so years ago, when I was a sophomore in high school, I took the bus all the time, because our school gave us bus passes. One day, I was coming home pretty late from a school event, and I remember getting off the bus across the street from my parents' apartment. You have to walk behind a restaurant and then across the street to a field before you got to the apartment. This field was pretty big and between the back of the apartments, and right before the field is a bigger parking lot with little stores like Domino's and Tim Hortons, etc. As I was walking across the parking lot, before I got to the field, I felt eyes on the back of me. I had both my headphones in, and I turned around, and there was a guy walking behind me. Not close, but not far, either. He could have chosen to walk on the sidewalk next to the field, but he was directly behind me on a phone. When I turned back straight, there was also another guy in front of me on the phone, coming from the other side of the field on the side where I lived. I don't know how, but I got freaked out. You could tell I was a young teenage girl because of my stature, and I had a school book bag on. My boyfriend at the time worked at the McDonald's at the end of the street, so I took off running towards it. I didn't stop or look back once, and once I got there, I banged on the door like a maniac, as our dining was closed. 
he let me in and I decided to stay until he was off so he could walk me home. I called my dad once I got inside and told him why I wasn't home. That asshole didn't believe me and told me to get home now. I told him to walk to McDonald's and get me if he was so pissed and he said I was going to get my ass beat when I got home. Needless to say, I waited until my boyfriend got off and I walked home with him and didn't call my family or tell them where I was for three days. Maybe then he would believe me next time. So, I'm 19 and I coach a 12-year-old travel volleyball team. At one of our out-of-town tournaments, I was staying at this hotel. Nothing new, as I have stayed in numerous hotels for volleyball ever since I was nine. I was walking into the hotel, and I saw a man and woman get into the elevator from afar. The lady was holding the elevator, but I was so far that there was ultimately no point in doing that unless she wanted me to get on the elevator with her. Now, keep in mind, before I went into the hotel, I took a couple of hits off my dab pen. I know I'm not the best role model for 12-year-olds, but they were staying in a different hotel. I don't know if I was tripping off the ganja, but it seemed like the lady really wanted me to get onto the elevator with her, considering I was walking really slow, yet she held the door for me anyways. So, I got on. I pressed my floor level, and when we reached my level, I started walking out and shot a look back at her. Kind of like when you communicate with someone with your eyes. Unfortunately, this man, who looked like an electrician with a vague uniform on, got off on the same floor as me. I was a couple of feet away from him walking to my door. Just then, I felt like somebody punched me in the gut, and I was going to throw up all over the place. I tried to turn my head back to see what the hell this man might have had in store for me, but I didn't want to be rude and freak him out in case I was just being paranoid off the ganja. I decided to just speed walk back to my room, and I quickly opened the door, and I quickly shut it. I looked through the peephole, and there he was standing there staring at my door for a few minutes, and then he left. The strangest thing about it was it looked like he was carrying some toolbox of some kind, but didn't put them to use as assistance for anybody on that floor. Now I know, lady, why you did what you did. This happened a couple months ago to me and my mom. We were driving home from my aunt's house, who lives in the middle of nowhere in the countryside. So we were on pretty narrow and bumpy roads, which my mom is not super confident driving on. The drive was going normal until a green car appeared behind us, presumably pulled out of some driveway or something. It was driving extremely close to us, pretty much tailgating us on a road that really did not require that since it was so empty. My mom, who was already uncomfortable on the country road, became nervous and decided to pull in at the next house or driveway that came up so it could overtake us. We did, and the car passed us. We were both relieved that it was over. But we were wrong. We continued driving at a pretty regular pace, and we didn't see the car for another few minutes. That was until we spotted the next house. The car had pulled in there, and it had its indicators on, meaning it hadn't stopped to park. My mom and I look at each other, and to be honest, I started getting nervous myself, and I'm usually not frightened easily. The second we passed it, it pulled out and started tailgating us again. My mom was really scared now. The car would occasionally fall behind intentionally and then race toward us at a crazy speed, which came close as an attempt to scare us. My mom increased speed, but it kept up with us easy. 
I was sure it was going to crash into us at this point or run us off the road. This continued until we reached a crossroads. My mom took the usual left, and I had no doubt it was going to turn left as well. However, it didn't. It continued straight ahead, as if nothing had ever happened. I never saw who was in the car. It still puzzles me. Why the hell would they be pretty much harassing two strangers who had to stop to let them pass after they made it clear they wanted to? I just can't figure out their intentions. Other than perhaps being an unhinged driver who was having a really bad day, I really thought me and my mom were going to be attacked or worse. It was one of the weirdest things that has happened to me while on the road. I was taking a drive at night a couple of hours ago. I like driving at night, nobody is on the road, and it's just me and music. I have a specific route that I like taking, and I usually take this route all the time, and have a set to and back. I use this small neighborhood that loops around to turn around and go back after I'm done. As I'm in that neighborhood doing my turnaround, I reach the end of the loop, and that's when this older, maybe 2006-7-ish sedan pulls into the street. But he's in the middle of the lane. I swerve to barely miss this guy, and he quickly puts the car into reverse and pulls out onto the main street and starts to follow me, trying to gain on me. I put my car in sport mode and start going down this long stretch of road, going 60 in a 35. This dude is a good couple hundred feet away from me. I'm on the phone with the police and this dude is still chasing me. I turn onto this street that is usually filled with police because it's down the street from the station, but no dice. There's no police there. Coming up the road, there's a four-way intersection you need to stop at. I do the quickest rolling stop because I didn't know if anyone was coming and didn't want to hit them. That gave this guy enough time to close the gap. He tries to come up into the left lane and speed past me, to stop me, but I drop my foot on the pedal and hit 70 in this 35 mile per hour street and finally get close enough to a cop. I make it to the station. The police officers tell me this guy said I threw a bottle at his car and that they saw water on the windshield and the police asked me if I did that. I told them I didn't, and I couldn't prove it either because my dash cam wasn't set up at all. I didn't have the magnet to mount it. This guy lied to the police while aggressively chasing me. I don't know why this happened. I think it was just a random robbery attempt or carjacking. I learned my lesson, though. Night times aren't for driving anymore. To hell with that. My friend and I are both young females, small petite build. We had been drinking at a hotel and decided to walk to the main strip, about a 20 minute walk at around 9.45pm. We are laughing and listening to music and just having plain fun at this point. Now this is when shit started to go south. Out of nowhere, a lady pops out in front of us. She obviously looks like she's on something. She's twitching, walking super funny, and she's on the phone. That's important. So, my friend and I step around her because she was initially going the opposite way of us. Then, all of a sudden, she walks past us, and while she's getting ahead of us, she's looking back and speaking into the phone. I, for some reason, was already feeling kind of uncomfortable, so my friend and I slowed down to let her stay in front of us but we decided to go to the other side of the street because why not? The lady sees this, speaks into the phone again, and crosses with us. I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, thinking maybe she's uncomfortable and feels unsafe, and is trying to use us as a cover, but my gut was telling me otherwise. 
So, while she's walking in front of us, she's still frequently looking back and talking into the phone. So we crossed the street again to put some distance between us. This time, the lady almost turns down the street, where a man wearing all black walks out and in the same direction we were going. The lady stops at this cross street and just stares at us. Then she steps behind some kind of bush. The man went about 300 feet in front of us on the opposite side of the street and then turned around and walked back to the same cross street the lady was at. We were still speed walking, so where they supposedly stepped off to was now out of sight. My friend was local to the town I was staying in, so she was already calling a friend who lived two blocks down to come and get us. Around this time, I look back and see both of them speed walking towards us. At this point, I'm trying to make it obvious that I noticed them by turning around, pointing and yelling. Luckily, when they were about two blocks away, her friend arrived and we sped off. For some context, I'm female, and this happened a couple years back, when I was around 26. This happened in a big city. I was out with my dog, a little chihuahua, headed to a vet appointment. I forgot what happened at the time, but it ended up being nothing serious. But I was pretty anxious and focused on getting to the vet ASAP. I was wearing a mask because it was in the middle of the worst part of COVID and I was wearing a t-shirt with my university on it. I suddenly lock eyes with a guy on the sidewalk, headed in the opposite direction, and he comes up to me while I'm walking and goes, You went to X university? I said yes, and he started to walk with me along the sidewalk, the opposite way he was headed, side by side, explaining what a great school it is and how he's in grad school there. Somehow I felt like this was very unlikely. He looked older than 30 and didn't seem to know anything about the college and didn't give any details. He starts asking me more questions and at this point I'm speed walking down the block and he just keeps walking right next to me. My dog at this point is getting really antsy and I'm incredibly uncomfortable as I have no clue who this guy is or why he's trying to walk with me on a busy sidewalk. Suddenly, my dog starts to bark and growl at him aggressively, and he doesn't seem to care and just keeps walking with me. At this point, it's been like five to ten street blocks with me trying to keep my dog from growling and barking, and him asking me questions. I tried to explain I'm going to a bed appointment, but I was nervous. Eventually, he says, Can I see you without your mask? And I legit flat out said no, to which his eyebrows go up like he's shocked. He keeps pushing and I keep flatly telling him no. Then he tells me he wants to go get coffee with him and asked me if I wanted to come along with him and I declined and tell him I have a boyfriend, which I actually do, and assured him I was getting engaged soon. My dog is still flipping in absolute shit, barking aggressively at him. But finally, after like 10 streets, after he realized I'm taken, this dude departs and leaves me alone. Now I know the most likely explanation is, guy thought I was pretty, wanted to ask me on a date, and he was awkward. But holy shit, please do not follow a young woman down 10 streets who you don't know. It was unnerving, and I still remember this years later. I guess he really did make an impression. I work night shifts, 12 a.m. to 8 a.m., at a women's shelter that is about a 30-minute commute away from my apartment. I take the metro every night to work and every morning from work, the closest metro station being situated a five-minute walk from my apartment. My work is situated in the downtown area of the city that I currently reside in, 
while I live in the neighborhood that has a reputation of being filled with alcoholics and drug addicts. I have had no encounters worth mentioning in either places until now. I was walking towards the metro station last night after saying goodbye to my boyfriend, who was heading home after spending the evening with me. I think it's worth mentioning that my boyfriend drives to and from my place every Tuesday and Thursday, and that I work from Sunday to Wednesdays, meaning that I was heading to work when this happened. Anyways, I was walking towards the metro station when a guy suddenly appeared out of nowhere on the street corner across from the metro station and grabbed me by the arm. This happens to be in the only street corner from my apartment to the metro station that you could not see anything on the street perpendicular to the one I was on until you got on the street corner. So I'm getting to the street corner. The metro station is across from me and I'm getting ready to cross the street as there was a green light when the man appears out of nowhere and grabs me by the arm. I freeze for a second before noticing that he is reaching over my body to grab my other arm. But before he could do that, I reacted and elbowed him in the stomach. I guess he did not expect a quick reaction because he quickly let go. After he let go, I sprinted across the street and ran into the metro station. The metro station has two entrances that are parallel to one and another. Both are facing the turnstiles that access the metro downstairs. I had noticed from the corner of my eye that the guy had followed me, and before he got inside, I headed to the other exit, ran around the station, and headed back towards my apartment. Since I live in the Great White North and it had been snowing all day, I was hoping that my boyfriend had not left yet as he would have to take the snow off of his car before leaving. Luckily, he did not and he ended up driving me to work. We also met a cop car as we were about to turn on the street to get to the highway, so we stopped and I reported the guy. The cops took down my information and what I could remember of his description and they promised to go check it out and do a few rounds around the metro station. I don't know what that guy's intentions were, but I hope I never encounter that guy ever again. About 10 years ago, I was working as a waitress at a local diner and living in a low-income apartment. The apartments were brand new and beautiful. To this day, it was the nicest apartment inside that I've ever lived in. I lived on the third floor. Outside it looked nice-ish as well. The landscaping was kept up and they had those tall and thick pretty flowering hedges that wrapped around the building. But, due to some drug activity, it wasn't always the safest, and it was normal to see needles, burned and bent-up spoons, condoms, and all that kind of stuff. We also lived right on a river, close to a downtown area. Less than a mile away, there were some homeless shelters and a police called The Daily Bread, where anyone in need could go for a meal. So, it wasn't unusual to see homeless people on the road outside of my apartment complex or sleeping on benches by the playground. They never bothered me. I usually worked mornings at my job, but every once in a while, I would fill in for someone on the swing shift, which is 4 to 11. I usually kept my tips in my apron for a few days and then deposited the money on my way home. This particular Sunday, our busiest day, I had worked the morning shift and done really well. So, when I heard they were shorthanded for swing shift, I volunteered to work a double. I ended up doing really well on that shift as well and clocked out at 9.30pm with about $250 in my apron. I stopped at my bank to make a deposit through the ATM and got home at around 1015 I pull up and see that I have a spot fairly close to the stairwell. It's dark, but I can see that there's no one else around. 
I park and walk past the hedge and turn right to go up the stairs when, out of the corner of my eye, I can see a man between the hedge and the building. I look to the right and I could see that he is smoking a cigarette, wearing jeans and a black shirt, and he is covered in paint, like he was a house painter or something. He looked like he was on drugs, wide-eyed and a little crazed. He saw me look at him. I felt creeped out because I had not seen him from my car, and I was wondering why he was standing out of the light and hiding behind the hedge. So I start to take the stairs two at a time. I get to the top of the first flight of stairs when I hear someone following me. I look back, and it was the man from behind the hedge. We make eye contact and he is already half up the stairs and running at me. I start running too and freaking out internally because even if I beat him upstairs, I might need to unlock my door. My roommate and I usually keep it locked. I keep running as fast as I can. When I get to the top of the second flight, he was like four steps behind me. I ran harder and debated screaming for help. I get to the top of the third flight and I'm still 15 feet from my door and he is almost on top of me. I can hear him breathing hard. His eyes were bulging. His arms were outstretched to grab me. He was a foot away from me. My apartment was still 10 feet away. I inhale and open my mouth to scream as loud as I can for help. When my six foot four buff as hell construction worker neighbor opens his apartment door to come out for a smoke, I let out a scream that starts in horror but trails off in relief as my neighbor sees what is happening and starts running to me. The man turned right around and sprinted off. My neighbor chased him to the second floor and then ran back up and yelled for his girlfriend to call the cops. At this point, I am hyperventilating, crying in a shaking puddle on the ground. My neighbor comforts me and gets my best friend and roommate to come help me. I thought that man was going to catch me and seriously hurt me. Looking back, it's more likely that he was trying to rob me because I was still wearing my work apron and it was late. We made a police report where the cop told us that a day labor company for the homeless people had a painting contract they were currently working on. The cops made a point to start doing more drives through our complex. My roommate and I bought mace and started calling each other to come watch the other person come upstairs if it was dark at night when we got home. So, to the man covered in paint and hiding in the hedges, I hope I don't ever, 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 ever meet you again. Every summer, with a few friends, we take a trip to the seaside of France for about a week. Last year, we decided to go to Hasegor on the southwestern coast to go surfing, but ended up in a small touristic village called Molitsi Ma, an hour from where we were supposed to go because of a reservation mess-up. The week was going okay until the last three days of the trip, but the story I'm going to tell is the last night. So, the past two days we had been in trouble with the police and a few other tourists because of some misunderstandings over a pack of cigarettes. We had spent the last two nights stressing and trying to cool things off, and therefore, we thought the last night we spent there couldn't be as bad as those two, and it couldn't possibly be as we were leaving the next day, very early in the morning. So we had only planned to go to a restaurant for dinner with some friends we had met there to celebrate the trip. The dinner was going great. We were all having fun, and as time passed by, it started getting dark. Towards the end of the meal, my friend Dennis, who was driving us home the next day, thought it was best for him to leave early and not drink too much so he could sleep as soon as possible and be in the best shape for the long drive that was coming. He left about 15 minutes before the rest of the group, while we stayed and drank a bit more. We paid the check, and as soon as I got up from my chair, I received a message from Dennis. 
Call me. There's a guy following me. Here's what happened. Dennis had to pass through a caravan parking lot and a golf to get back to the residence in which we had rented a house. While he was in the parking lot, he noticed someone behind him that was about his size, with a hood and a cap on. At first, he didn't think anything of him, as the village was actually quite touristic and there were a lot of people usually passing by the parking lot. But when Dennis stopped to pee on a tree, he had a glimpse of the guy behind him stopping and hiding behind another tree a few feet back. And as soon as he got to walking again, the guy stepped out from behind the tree and started following him again up to the golf. As Dennis got there, he was a bit creeped out, especially since at night the golf is completely dark, only lit by the moonlight, and empty of people. He stopped again for a second to light a cigarette and checked if the guy was still behind him. Once again, the guy stepped out of the path and hid behind a tree until Dennis started walking again. That's when he understood he was in danger. The guy wasn't physically imposing, and so Dennis thought it was weird he was so confident in following him, maybe because he was holding onto a knife or a gun. Nevertheless, Dennis kept walking and acting as if he hadn't noticed anything, although the guy was following him again and sent me the message, Call me. There's a guy following me. As soon as I picked up, he talked loudly to try and scare off the guy by saying, Hey, you're at the golf with the other eight? No problem, I'll be there in a minute. Even though we were five and absolutely not at the golf, which was terrifying for me. But it was clever because it made me understand he wasn't joking, and where he was. I swore to him everything was going to be okay, that I would be there in five minutes, and told him to be careful and safely try to go home. As soon as I hung up, I started running towards the golf and explained very briefly to my friend that Dennis was in trouble and we had to get to the golf as soon as possible. Meanwhile, when I hung up, Dennis put the phone back in his pocket and kept walking. He took a glance back and saw the guy was still a few meters behind him. He took a last puff off the cigarette he had lit two minutes before, then threw it and started running towards the residence. As he was running, he took a look back and saw the guy started running too. It lasted for about five minutes before he got in front of our house, which was empty. When he got there, he stopped for a second, looked back one last time. The guy was about ten meters behind him, in the middle of the alley, immobile, and then went to hide behind one of the cars that were on the side of it. As soon as Dennis saw that, he panicked. He barged into the house, locked the door without difficulty, grabbed the biggest knife he could in the house, and waited on the couch facing the entrance to the house, which was a glass canopy. When me and my friends got there, he was scared but unhurt. He explained everything to us, and then we went looking for the guy in a group of four people. The neighbors hadn't seen anyone other than us. And even though we got to the residence at first in separate groups, at different times and through the two different entrances, we didn't see anyone coming out of them. He had completely disappeared. Nothing was stolen, even though we had left clothes to dry outside of the house and nobody was hurt. So we didn't call the police, but warned the neighbors and me and two others stayed up all night outside to look out for the guy as he had seen where we lived and we were afraid he would return during the night. Dennis had been lucky. We never knew what the intentions of this guy was or if he was hiding something that gave him the advantage over my friend. Furthermore, he didn't even try to get into the house and good for Dennis because there was another entrance to the house, another glass canopy that led to one of our friend's rooms and which had not been correctly closed. We couldn't even understand what he did. If he wanted to steal from Dennis or murder him, he could have done it two separate times, when he went to pee and when he lit his cigarette. But he didn't. So what did he want? Who was he? Where did he go? 
I don't think we'll ever get any answers. We can only hope he never did anything to anyone and was arrested if he did. We didn't call the cops back then because we had had trouble with them the last two days because of the problem with the pack of cigarettes I talked about before. Also, after those three days that had gone wrong, we just wanted it to end, go home and sleep. I regret not calling them now that I think about it, but it's too late now and I hope this guy hasn't been creeping on anybody since then. We were all extremely tired the next day, and the drive that was supposed to be five or six hours long took ten hours to complete under the heavy summer heat. But we all got home safely, slept well, never had any problems of that sort since, and now we laugh about it. To conclude, I would advise you never to walk alone at night in places you don't know much about. There are crazy and weird people everywhere, and a calm night can quickly turn into a nightmare if you don't watch out. Thank you for listening to my story. I hope you liked it, and that it made you think about being more careful, especially at night. This happened to me last weekend. I'm a 19-year-old guy. My friend just bought a new house, so he decided to have a housewarming. I had a great time, and at just after midnight, I decided it was time to go. I tried all the taxi services in our area, and I either got no answer or told I would have to wait at least an hour. I live in rural Wells, UK, and we don't have Uber. I'm a student and work weekends, so I had to get home soon as I had work in the morning, so I decided I'll walk home. My phone says 41 minutes, and I was in a drunken state, so I make my goodbyes and refuse any offer of company, or calling another friend and set off. I was lit, but not too drunk. Easily followed the directions on my phone and got about 30 minutes in when I came across an alley I had to take. I sped up as I walked through, as it was very dark, but got through and felt silly for being a bit spooked. As I carried on walking, I reached a long pathway and noticed a figure in the distance. I couldn't tell if they were walking towards me or just standing still, but soon as I got closer, I could see them just standing and smoking a cigarette. I kept to the other side of the path and walked past. As I carried on walking, I felt a little uneasy and looked back and the guy was now walking behind me. I quickened my step and hoped to gain distance, but this was a straight path and he kept pace. I knew I was getting close to an area I was familiar with from walking my dog, and I knew I would be in a well-lit residential area soon. Finally, I reached a crossroads and prayed he would go the other way but he turned the same way as me. This continued all the way until I was just two streets away from the one I live on. I decided I had to lose him, so the next corner I took, I ran as fast as I could. I'm a fit guy, so I managed to get to the next street very quickly and up the last alley into the street I live on before looking back and he was out of sight so I quickly ran to my house and got inside. My parents were in bed, thankfully, so the lights were out, and I took a breath and began to calm down as my dog ran to greet me. I gave her a pat and went into the living room but kept the lights off as I planned to head straight to the bedroom after grabbing a drink. I walked from into the hall and into the kitchen as my dog Faith followed. But as I took a drink from the refrigerator, she turned from me and looked at the front door and slanted her head before slowly walking towards it. I swear I got the creepiest feeling, like my whole body froze as I saw a figure through the small frosted glass panel in the door. I slammed the door to the refrigerator and hid out of view. I was completely terrified. Faith began barking and jumping at the door. I stayed hidden out of view as she shuffled around pawing at the door. Suddenly, my dog charged into the kitchen still barking. She ran past me to the kitchen door and leapt up. 
I ran into the hall and saw my dad at the top of the stairs. He asked what Faith was barking for, and I blurted out a guy followed me home. He charged downstairs, and Faith was still going crazy in the kitchen. My dad marched into the darkness as I followed, but again Faith ran past us back to the front door. My dad went into the front garden as I held Faith back, and he saw the front gate rattle. We went to it and looked up and down the street, but saw nothing. He decided to stay up, and I went to bed. The next morning, in the back garden, we found a rusty knife. It's dirty and has black tape all around the handle. There are also two stab marks on the back door. My dad refused to report it to the police, which I think is insane. Somebody clearly tried to break in, but he insists they won't come back. If anyone is interested, I took a few pictures of the knife that I will post pictures of. The whole situation has played on my mind all week. It's really creeped me out, and I can safely say I'll call someone for a lift home next time. Whatever it is you do, always keep your eyes peeled when walking home by yourself at night. It was late spring of my seventh year in school. It was a rough school in a sketch area. I was in the third year of my middle school, crafting a magnet program to better integrate the classes, and the enrollment for the program was small. Even smaller numbers for females, so making female friends in an isolated environment as this was difficult at best. That's when I met Sabrina. She was non-magnet and wanted to have me and her friend Kylie spend the night. I was thrilled. She lived in an apartment with her mother and brother that was across the street from a racetrack and a bar. Super sketch area. Her mother sold homemade keychains at the flea market each weekend. This is important for later. Things get weird about the time we got a pizza and a movie. Her mother was a little odd and hung out the whole time, like she was a 13-year-old girl and regularly going into her room and calling Sabrina. We couldn't ask what was up because her mom was always there, and this was the age of pagers. Finally, around 9 p.m., she goes to bed. To our dismay, 10 minutes later, she's calling Sabrina to come to bed too. She was actually going to stay with her mom at her own sleepover. So, left with a couple of pillows that had seen better days and no blankets, Kylie and I were going to have a sleepover to ourselves. We start the movie back up, and suddenly Sabrina comes out to get the phone. As she is about to go back into the room, she whispers, Don't stay up late. We have to go work the flea market tomorrow and leave at 5.30 a.m. I guess she saw our faces and she giggles this creepy giggle and adds, You didn't think the pizza was free, did you? Then she goes into the room and locks the door. Kylie, whom I just met this evening, and I exchange glances. This is the first we heard about this. Never were even asked. After short conversation, we decide that we want to go home. Our parents were more likely to be awake now than that early in the morning, so we knock on the bedroom door. No answer. We try and try, but nothing. There's no way they were asleep that fast, we thought. So I go into the kitchen to see if there's another phone. Nope. They locked us in the living room of this one-bedroom apartment with no phone and no restroom. Now they weren't responding to us at all. This is where young and dumb us formulate a plan. We know school isn't too far away, and Kylie says she lives near school. So we decide to find a payphone or walk to her house. How bad could it be? Biggest mistakes of our lives. We try knocking one last time to the same result. So we gather our belongings and leave. How the world outside changed after 10 p.m. The bar, a stone's throw from the apartment, was jumping. 
We go up to the payphone that's near the street and close to the rear of the bar. It's broken. As I put the receiver down, some burly drunk as hell man rounds the corner towards us. We were two 13-year-olds that could have passed for 17 easy. Neither of us were dressed showing much skin, but Mr. Drunk Dude liked what he saw. First he yelled if we wanted to party or if he could buy us drinks. No thanks, we replied and started to walk in the direction of her home. This only infuriates him and he's now yelling that we're skanks and nobody turns their back on him. We keep on. He starts to stumble after us quickly and catches Kylie by the wrist. She's trying to shake him off to no avail. He's telling us what he's going to do to us. We're getting terrified because she can't break the gold and he will not let go. That's when Kylie lands a shot to his jewels. We take off running, but the shot must have sobered him up some, and he's in an angrier pursuit. We scan the area, but there's no place to hide, no place to get help, and we're now not trusting if we saw someone that they would even help us. The area had quite a few ladies of the night, if you know what I mean. We run back to loop around the apartment Sabrina lived in, but somehow one of Mr. Drunk's friends had joined pursuit. We know he's behind us, and he's alienating, telling at us, and yelling to his friends, saying there's one for each of them, so not to let us get away. Now, we know we're trapped, so we book it up the to my shargon metal stairs and onto the second floor. We're hitting doors, but in that area, nobody is going to open the door past dark. Luckily, we find an open door at the end, and we're in the clear, or so we think. But then, clank, clank, clank. One of them is coming up, but the stairs have no second floor visibility. We dash into the room only to see it's a laundry room, and with no door to lock. Quickly, we start wedging ourselves behind the machines, praying and hoping we're not found, because he's now on the second floor and heading our way. It goes quiet except music and voices from the bar. He didn't leave, I think. I didn't hear the stairs. That's when the aroma of alcohol and smoke descends upon the heavy air. He's in the hallway, listening. Then he speaks. I know you're in there, girls. There's nowhere for you to go. If you come out now... I'll forgive the one that kicked my nuts and go easy on you both. Come on out. After a moment, he speaks again. His mood flipped again. Okay, you all. I'm going to yank you out by your hair and... Well, you get the idea. Rough like I like it. I'd love to say that someone overheard all of this and intervened, but they didn't. After what seemed like an eternity, he stood there ten minutes. We heard him descend the stairs. We were hiding an additional fifteen minutes before checking if it was safe to leave. Long story short, we made it to Kylie's house, which was not as close as she said, but we had our lives. My father came to get me after midnight. The next morning, Sabrina's mother called and feigned cluelessness as to why we would leave, claiming we didn't knock, lied about taking the phone, and thought it was normal to make her daughter's friends have to work for free. Sabrina and I didn't speak much after, and Kylie's parents believed all of Sabrina's mother's nonsense and grounded her for a month. This was a long time ago, and it has stayed haunting me ever since. This happened ages ago, when I was 21. I was a manager for a big box store, but in a town that was an hour drive from me. I lived in a small town, and the store was in another small town, both about 12,000 people each. But in order to promote to manager, I had to transfer, which meant doing this drive daily. 
I had hoped it would be temporary because I dreaded driving this every day, especially late at night because of deer, etc. This was also before cell phones were really the norm. I did have one, but it was one of those ancient bag-style phones, and I had just got it a week or two before. With these phones, you had to plug them into your car cigarette lighter in order to have them work, and they had a corded attached handset. Anyway, one night I was driving home, and it was really late, probably around 1 a.m., The drive is pretty desolate, with houses sporadically throughout mixed with sections of wooded areas. About 20 minutes before my town is a random casino in the middle of BFE. I had just passed this casino, and a truck pulled out behind me. I didn't think anything of it, but it was noticeable pretty quickly that they had been drinking because of their erratic driving. Because of this, I just figured I'd just put as much room between us as possible. Also to note, as I was going past them, they had their headlights on, of course, and could have easily seen I was a young girl by myself. So the truck comes up behind me at a pretty fast rate of speed and goes to pass me. As they are next to me, they swerve a little towards me, and I just think that they are much more drunk than I thought and slowed down, so they could easily pass. As soon as they got in front of me, though, they started to slow down, and I mean way down. It got to the point that we were going 20 miles an hour in a 55 mile per hour zone, and still slowing down, like they were trying to stop me. Every time they would get to around 5 miles per hour, I would swerve to the opposite lane and give it some gas like I was going to pass, which would then make them temporarily speed up. I could see a lot better into the truck at this point. It was an extended cab truck with what appeared to be 5 or 6 guys in it. This was during hunting season so it wasn't out of the norm to see groups of guys acting ridiculous and drunk this time of year. So they were trying to stop me, and I didn't want to necessarily pass, given what had just happened. But at a certain point, I had to. So I go to try and pass the truck, but it blocks me from doing so by getting in the middle of both lanes. I try this a couple of times with the same results. Then finally, I try to floor it and pass the truck, but it tries to run me off the road. I immediately get back behind them and am freaking out at this point. I had tried calling 911, but there was a huge area with no coverage yet, and I couldn't get through. After what seemed like forever, I finally get through to them, and they send someone out immediately. As I'm on the phone with them, I see car lights in my rear view and am filled with panic because I know this car will inevitably try to pass, given we were only going about 30 at this point. Sure as shit, the car comes up behind us and goes to pass. And sure as shit, the truck actually runs them off the road and into a ditch. I'm telling the 911 dispatcher this and in a full-blown panic. We are getting close to town now, though, and I can see the first stoplight. I wasn't sure what the truck was going to do because our one lane splits into two, and there are gas stations, etc. up ahead. Right as we approach the first light, I see an officer come in the opposite direction, and I start flashing them over and over while telling the dispatcher that I see the officer. The officer makes a U-turn and gets in between me and the truck. He flicks the lights on them to pull over, and they pull into a gas station at the main intersection of our town. I follow into the gas station to assist the police in whatever statements they may need, and want to make sure these idiots are arrested. That didn't end up being a problem because they refused a breathalyzer, so they were taken to the hospital where a blood alcohol level was obtained. I really wanted to know more, but the officer didn't elaborate. I kind of wished I would have called up and followed up on it. They never called me or had me do anything in court, so I'm guessing they didn't need me, but 
it also means that they got away with only getting a DUI. I didn't realize this wasn't okay until way later. Much too late to have done anything about it. All I know is the officer said they were all three sheets to the wind. God only knows what their intent was, but I was terrified to find out. And thank God for that damn bag cell phone. It could have saved my life. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true disturbing followed home stories. If you are asleep, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourselves a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.
Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.